I'm so excited for this week's guest because I think there's so much to glean from this uh, particular person. She is the definition to me of a quote unquote girl boss. She's built an incredibly successful business while maintaining a work-life balance to rave about. She is incredibly detail-oriented and combines textures, colors, and materials to create beautiful spaces throughout the triangle, which is why we paired her with one of our favorite North Carolina roasters, Black and White Coffee, who perfectly brings out the beautiful nuances of their coffee. You guys, welcome Lauren McKay to Sips and Stories. An interesting coffee is a product of its environment. The flavors are shaped by the climate, weather, region, how it's prepared, roasted, and brewed, brings out the subtle notes that make it unique. People's stories can be the same. We talk with unique people and dive into what shaped their stories and successes. This is Sipson Stories. We obviously love coffee, and one of the ideas or the concepts of coffee is the delicious and beautiful, in my opinion, characteristics that come from it depend on the environment in which it's grown. So that's so important, and it makes each coffee different. No two are the same. And it's the same thing with people, right? The experiences, their passions make them entirely unique. And so we're just exploring that because I think that'll be a lot of fun. And so maybe people want to listen to it. Yeah. And the thing that really excites us, like as a couple, it's interesting that both of us individually feel excited about this, but when people are sharing their passions and their dreams with us, it just ignites something within both of us. And we just can't help but get excited about the thing that you're excited about. And so we're combining those two things, the origins of coffee and of people and bringing in people that are doing amazing things. And so we immediately knew we wanted to ask you on the show because you're just the, you're so successful to me. And I just look at what you produce and I just am overwhelmed at just the professionalism and it's amazing to me what you've accomplished. So um, thank you. Yeah, we won it. We have Lauren McKay here with us. And why don't you tell uh, us what is it that you do? I know. What do you do? Yeah, who is Lauren McKay? Well, I'm Lauren McKay and I own Lauren McKay Interiors. I'm an interior designer in Raleigh, North Carolina. We have a team of three that works together to do everything. And I also have three kids and I'm a mom and a wife and all of that. That's awesome. Yeah. So David knows your husband quite well, Kyle, and mm-hmm. I could not picture two more different individuals <laughs> to be happily mar- married together. <laughs> yeah. Opposites attract, right? For sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I got a text from him today that said, call him danger daddy from now on. <laughs> So I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kyle was in a ska band. Is that correct? Punk band. Mm-hmm. Punk band. Not ska. Okay. There is a difference. And Lauren is like always like very put together and it's just this hilarious match to me. So I love it. 
So tell us more about how you got started in the interior design space and what about that is, because I guess the context of this question is obviously it seems to be an expression of who you are. You do it so well. Okay. And so because of that, we feel like there, what does that growth look like? How did you start is probably where we should begin that question. Sure. It is really funny for me to look back at myself, even when I was really young, because I had doll houses like every girl does, but I didn't really play with the dolls. I just decorated the houses. I would use anything you could find. Those little like white things that come in pizza boxes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Side tables. And I would cut up strips of fabric and make pillows and do everything I could with my dollhouse. And I played with my dollhouse through middle school, but I would tell no one. Of course. Because that wasn't cool then. And and even I remember drawing floor plans and it was interesting to me how things were laid out and what they looked like and how spaces interacted, how they flowed, how they worked together. And so I was paying attention to those things, but I didn't completely know where it came from. It's interesting to me because neither of my parents are in creative fields. They were surprised by this. They weren't really encouraging my creativity. It didn't mm. come to them naturally. But both of my grandmothers are very creative. And so as I did well in school, I did well in other subjects and they were like, oh, you should be a pharmacist and you should do all these other things. But I really felt like I want to do something that gets me excited every day, that, mm. that just keeps my interest and in, in, that I'm just passionate about. And when I was in high school and as I was really like praying and digging deep and trying to figure out where I wanted to go to college and what I wanted to study, I was just reflecting on how art class was really my favorite I would get Seventeen magazine and they had a section called Your Room. And that's what I wanted to read was mm. what people did with their rooms. And so I was ta actually talking to my uh, grandmother about this. And she said, did you know that my mom was a decorator? My great grandmother was a decorator in the 50s. And she gave me one of her, several of her design books, which was just so neat to look at. And just anyway, and so that's... to see how that has been in my family, literally. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I did the opposite with my dollhouses and <laughs> my dad spent, he's a woodworker. And so he spent two or three months building me this like intricate dollhouse with all these like tiny wooden furniture. And they went all out. My mom sewed curtains and all this stuff. And I played with it for like one week probably. And then everything just started breaking and I'd be like, ah! <laughs> kind of throw it to the side. So not careful enough. And I think that's one of the things that I, you know, really admire about your work is how detail oriented it is. Um, and how did you find your kind of style within this really big space of interior design? And everybody has their own, well, you can pull from lots of other sources of inspiration but when I look at your design it, to me it stands out as this is Lauren's so what was that process like for you oh that's really interesting and one I think one thing that I think about with that is that I grew up in a small town I wasn't really exposed to a lot of design and so I think it took took me a while to really get to know myself and my own style once I got into the industry to just gain exposure and to really see what kind of patterns and colors and textures and things like that I responded to. And so as I, I started working for a, a, a firm in Raleigh and 
We worked on a ton of different projects and I saw the ones that I just resonated with more. I tend to like color. Mm. I like more contrast. I like things that pop. I love to use pattern. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of mixing patterns. And so to me, all those things just became a really fun challenge to see how all those elements work together. And I don't know. I don't, I guess it's like what's inside me, but that's what resonates with me. That's what I love in my own home. Just to see color makes me happy. I think some people are afraid it can be a commitment, Mm -hmm. but it also, it just brings joy. And to me, it makes the space more cheerful. And so I do use color in my own home. But one thing that is interesting about my firm that I've also really appreciated, so even though I do have my own personal style, we don't work just within one style. We work in a lot of different styles. And in the last year, I've done a Japanese Zen kitchen that was very modern. I worked with a client who has an original art collection and her favorite color is purple. And so literally there's purple in every room in her home. And that is just so fun to me to really see what what the client what they love. And I want their spaces to reflect them, not to reflect me. And even though I know what my style is, and sometimes people will say, oh, I love this that you did in your house or whatever. And and sure, I can execute that again or something similar. But I also love a challenge and I love doing things that are not my style. Yeah, that's cool. That's so cool. I want to take a step back to something you said before in talking about how your grandmother's work creative uh-huh. me and bethany joke all the time in some way or another that like my grandfather on my mom's side is pretty much my mom is like a recreation of him mm. i'm a recreation of her and now we have a daughter who's four that very much seems to keep that going so i wonder i'm not sure i don't even know what question i'm trying to ask but are there characteristics of those people that you've seen like in your parents because you said you weren't really exposed to a lot of creative design growing up, but maybe it was that type of personality, maybe a curiosity for it. What was it about your grandparents or your your grandmothers that, you know, you think resonates with you and connects with you? Sure. I was lucky that we lived close to my grandparents. So I got to spend a lot of time with my grandmothers Mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. And so I got a lot from them. My dad's mom was really into just crafts and cooking, and she taught me how to sew, showed me how to cross-stitch, just to enjoy making things. Mm. That's what she loved to do. We would paint rocks to look like animals, just all kinds of things. When I was younger, she made a whole wardrobe for my dolls, and I was just amazed at the creativity and the way she got to make up things. But then on the other side, my, my mom's mom, had she was a biology professor but on the side she loved to paint and she had a ton of paintings in her home that she had done and she would do drawings and so i was just amazed to see to see how she executed those things and how she had this passion on the side that she could do and so it was her mom that was the decorator Mm. and my my mom's parents still have a number of inherited pieces of furniture that are truly mid-century and just to see and observe those different design styles in her own home, I think was really fascinating to me. That's so cool. It's interesting perspective for me because I have no, I won't say I'm not creative, but I have like very little artistic skill. So when it comes to me drawing something, like it's a joke. But his level of perceiving color is very small. (laughs) That's purple. I like to think I make up for it (laughs) and I have a good palette. Okay. (laughs) very different field but and now it's funny because going back to the generational thing it seems from what we can see now ruby loves to draw 
And we're really trying to encourage that. And Bethany's really creative. So maybe she's getting that from her. But it's just funny to see. She acts a lot like me. But hopefully she'll have more artistic talent than I do. So you grew up in a small town in North Carolina? Mm, I grew up in Shelby, North Carolina. Okay, cool. I didn't know that about you. So what was that like then going to NC State and like being more in the like city? And where else have you been to explore or like expand your design like inspiration? Sure. Yeah, so I moved to Raleigh to go to NC State and I was in the College of Design, which was incredibly inspiring. All the professors there and my classmates were just so amazing and just really taught me, just challenged me to think completely outside the box and and all of that. And so that was a huge eye-opener. But at the same time, I think when I was state, like as an undergrad, I pretty much just stayed on campus. But I really enjoyed going to a big university after coming from a small high school. I really enjoyed just all the activities and opportunities and things that there were. And enjoyed Raleigh as a city. And that's why I decided to stay afterward. But yeah, so I lived in Florida for a summer. I love, love warm weather. And I actually really love the design style in Florida. Obviously, they use a lot of color and things like that. And then another big trip that really stands out to me that I certainly pull from all the time. My husband and I went to Europe for our 10-year anniversary. We were in Paris and Belgium for two weeks. And just seeing the history of the buildings and the amazing architecture and things that have just been around so much longer than you see here in the U.S. or in Raleigh was just amazing and so inspiring. And so there are, even in existing fabrics or whatever, neat for me to see, oh, they're pulling that. This reminds me of this thing at Versailles mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And so it's also been fun to observe some of the millwork or tile designs and to incorporate that or be inspired by that and things I do here. So absolutely pull from those experiences and we have not been abroad in the past few years but hope to go again soon yeah we are we were actually just talking about that before coming here is we've been planning a trip to japan for like years and of course COVID hits and so we're we just keep saying okay next year okay next year right (laughs) and we're wondering at what point are we is the next year going to be this year so we'll see Mm -hmm. (laughs) hopefully soon yeah i hope so go ahead and speaking about like characteristics that shaped who you are is there anything and i I think the analogy is like i think this exists with coffee too but i've heard it is true about wine if the grapes went through some like some like struggle some storm coming out on the other side of that those are going to be the best years ever (laughs) of that wine Is there anything, any experience or maybe even a failure that you had that really when you look back on it, man, that really informed who I am today or allows me to do what I do? Sure. I've been on an interesting journey the past few months. I was diagnosed with ADHD back in November, so just three months ago. And so I haven't known this about myself my whole life, but it's been really interesting for me to see now how I've coped with it and even how I've used Mm -hmm. it. And so... Even though sometimes it can be, you know, hard to stay focused or whatever it is, um, I do think people with ADHD are often more creative because your brain honestly just thinks a little bit differently. And so it's neat for me to see that as an advantage and to see how I've used that. The other thing that's interesting, and I definitely see myself doing this, is 
ADHD hyper focus. And so like when I am researching a design style or looking for a particular piece of furniture, like I get really obsessive about Mm -hmm. wanting to find the perfect thing. And so I think that honestly serves my clients pretty well. But it also just keeps me really curious. Like I'm always intrigued by new things and always wanting to learn. And it's definitely been a challenge, but something that I can see as an advantage as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that too. Yeah. And not to call your kids a storm, but (laughs) as a mom myself, I just know how it dramatically changes, you know, your entire everything. So how did having kids impact you as a designer too? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I was telling one of my employees this week, I was like, I think, because she was saying, oh, you really like pink. And I used some pink velvet trim in my mudroom. And she was like, I love that you did that. And she was like, I just have been afraid to use pink. And I said, yeah, I think having two girls, I just really embrace loving pink (laughs) from the beginning. But my kids are actually the reason that I started my own company. Um, Because literally, mom life is hard. It's hard to balance both. Um, And so we had come off a season where our whole family had the flu and we got it one by one. And so I had used all my sick time right at the beginning of the year and it just wasn't working anymore to work at a traditional job. And I just needed more control over my own schedule. And so I took some time off and then because I just needed to recuperate and then started my own company. And so one thing that I don't even think clients really see, but that I am passionate about, obviously, was making something that could work for my family. I want to be there to pick up my kids. I don't get to do that every day, but I get to do that a lot and take them to school and be involved with what they're doing and what they're passionate about. And so then I also have wanted to enable my employees to have that kind of work-life balance. There was a time when Erica, that works for me, said, I need to go um, have this meeting with my daughter's teacher. And I'm like, that is more important than what we have to, to pull for this meeting today. Go do that. And so just keeping that perspective has been nice. My kids enjoy seeing what I do and they like to to draw things and I don't know, play with fabrics and stuff. And so it's funny to see what they like. But kids' palettes tend to be more primary and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that was the reason why you started your business. But yeah, it is um interesting how it changes your perspective on everything. And I th- one of the things that I always when I look at like Pinterest or whatever for inspiration for my room or our space. I'm like, that's so impractical or impractical. <laughs> my that's gonna get destroyed in two seconds by my kids, or that's gonna break. But you did something super cool at your house, and tell them about the um the scavenger hunt that led to the thing. This was actually my husband's idea, so I have to give him okay. some credit here. This does um, seem very Kyle. Yeah, he likes he loves giving I don't know unique gifts for the kids, giving them unique experiences. But so we had this area underneath our stairs. It was unfinished. We just kept paint cans there. It had about a five foot ceiling. So it's not really practical enough to be like a a usable space for us. But like, what if we finished that and made it a secret room for the kids? And so there's an arched doorway that you go in actually through our coat closet and our entry. And it's a place just for the kids to play and hide out. But so the way that we shared the surprise with them was we did it we so it was funny I it was Christmas morning of 2019 and I had just had my son Jack that October we literally had contractors at our house when I came back from the hospital and I was like that was the worst idea ever 
I can't even imagine. <laughs> but I we just told our kids that we were having some things fixed and they never questioned it. It was really funny. And so we had people there working our house, working in the house. So we finished off the room. We added lighting. We added wallpaper in this whimsical. It has houses and plants drawn on it. And so that's really fun. It's just black and white, though. And then we painted the trim like a turquoise color. And so in there they have a beanbag chair and a little craft table. And so, anyway, it became really special for them. So, so we had a, a scavenger hunt Christmas morning for them to find that room. And so Kyle did all the clues because he loves doing things like that. And they just squealed and just, anyway, they were so excited. That's awesome. And I think that really highlights how David's saying he's not a creative person or not artistic, but it highlights how creativity is not just like to the art. Sure. Or how it pops up in all these things. So David is pretty creative and um, I like to think so. And ideas like that. And I I think we should highlight you know, that way of creativity more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now that I've shared a more serious challenge I've dealt with, I wanted to just share something a little more lighthearted and funny. I'm gonna call this the tale of two desks. I ordered two desks for two different clients at about the same time. And guess what? Neither of them fit through the door of the space. No. Oh, no. And desks are typically 30 inches tall. And one client had a grand house, had a doorway of 28 inches. Oh, no. And the other client had asked for a desk, like a secretary desk, but it just had two drawers above the thing. And I assumed it was like detachable and it was not. So it would not go through the door. And one of the clients we ended up her contractor ended up taking the casing off of the door so that we could get it in and it would be like a template of the shape of the desk to, like out of cardboard to make sure it would fit through the door. And we got it in. Oh, my oh, wow. goodness. <laughs> but I hope she never moved. And then the other client, we just had to get them a different desk because there was no way it was ever going to go in to that room. And anyway, it's a lesson. It's obviously something we try to pay attention to. If we lived in a city like New York or something where they often have really tight spaces, we would pay even more attention. But you measure twice, cut once. You really got to make sure that it can get into the space. <laughs> we That's have crazy. not as funny. It wasn't funny um, <laughs> because I sent David off to get this Facebook marketplace find. And him and his brother go, the piece of furniture is so giant and heavy. They're already mad at me, okay? <laughs> so then they bring it home, and it will not absolutely in no way fit into our house, oh, into no. the door. And it just sat on our front porch for quite a while. <laughs> and finally, I had to call, like, junk doctors to come get it because in the process of moving it it had started to just oh, literally no. crumple broke yeah and <laughs> yeah. it was all the way in durham and oh. it was just it was a lot yeah but. we were not willing to take the frame off the door yes <laughs> no it wasn't worth it <laughs> yeah so i have the question that i've been waiting i'm most excited to ask but before we get to it i think we should probably do coffee okay all right. Sounds good. Let's take a quick break. Sips and Stories is sponsored by Morgan and Perry Law. Based in Fuquay Varina, serving the larger triangle area. You won't find us in the courtroom. You'll see us reading the fine print of all the contracts that you don't want to read. We love to serve our clients in three main areas. Business law, estate planning, 
and real estate closings. So whether you're starting a new business, writing a will and testament, or closing on the loan to your dream home, we're happy to help assist you to the finish line. Contact our office at 919-584-5293. That's 919-584-5293 for a consultation. David Morgan and Nolan Perry. Find out more at morganperrylaw.com. New from PepsiCo, just in time for summer, hard water squares. Do you wish the stuff you pour in your mouth was colder? Yeah. Are you sick of your drink being too hot? Your drink is too hot. Only our hard water squares are cold and hard. Patent pending. You can add our new hard water squares to coffee, hot cocoa, tea, really any brown liquid, bourbon, soda, there's probably more. Try hot water cubes in your next drink. Enjoy responsibly. Not applicable in every brown liquid such as 5W30 motor oil, Hershey syrup, tanning oil, or hot Nutella. Welcome back, guys. <clears throat> in case you were wondering, that was me absolutely slurping some uh, very good, what I would call craft coffee from Black and White, who is a local roaster. Out of Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. And they have, they are nationally known now. They've won several awards and they're on all the top 10 lists, but they're an excellent local roaster. If you are in the Raleigh area, you can get their coffee at Vidiri uh, Chocolate Factory in downtown. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I have to mention this. They have the coolest outdoor like bamboo enclosed little like setup. It's just the perfect tranquil spot to drink a good cup of coffee. But why any of that matters is because I have just done a pour over of some of their beans. Today we have Rodolfo Beltran. So uh, they will often name the coffee after the farms in which they come from. This particular one is from Honduras. And usually my preference is African-based coffees because they're fruitier. But this one has a lot going on in it that I love. So before I spill the beans and tell the tasting notes, I'm going to let everyone do that. But the process in which it's made is really important. So both how it's grown. And so this process is a natural. And that essentially means they take the coffee fruit off the coffee tree. Then they let the bean, which is the seed of that fruit, they let that sit inside the fruit and absorb the flavors from the fruit before they take it off. And then they process the beans. So that like extra time just sitting there and soaking it in makes for a fruitier coffee bean. Then the method that I use is that of a pour over, which is what I do every single morning before any other human being sees me. I think it'd be fun. What if everybody takes a sip and just anything that pops into your mind, whether it's a color or it's a object or a taste, because this has a lot going on. Like I said, there's really no wrong answers here. Let me try. David tells me or loves to tell me that the best way to get all of the flavoring of your coffee is to really slurp it. Move it around no. in your mouth. So it's not just me. If you can blast it all over to every part of your palate, then you'll taste different things depending on where the coffee gets. So you want some of the coffee to touch every part of your mouth, and that's how you'll get the most out of it. 
So I'm not just doing that to be obnoxious. That's part of it, but that's not the only reason. All right, Bethany, why don't we start with you? To me, you said color. I started thinking about color. Okay. And In light of our guest, I thought that right. might make sense. It does. It does indeed. And for me, it's pulling out like a magenta in my okay. brain. And so out of that, I'm thinking, and I already know this to be true, some real red wine flavoring or more like a cherry came fruit. All right, Lauren. I thought it was interesting. I started by smelling it and I thought it smelled really great start. Earthy, maybe a bit nutty. But then when I tasted it, I definitely tasted a tartness. And so, yeah, when Bethany said cherry, that resonated with me. I've been to Honduras. So I was like racking my brain. What, they, <laughs> what kind of fruit do they have there? What would they have done? But I don't know. I don't know what else they put in it. But yeah, I definitely taste the fruitiness of it. Yeah. So I, I mean, more or less, I cheated and I brewed this yesterday. But what's interesting is I can tell a difference between how I brewed it yesterday and today. Yesterday was more like wine forward, which is one of the notes right on the box. But today I definitely get more cherry and lemon zest. Mm. There's like a lemon twist to it. Thinking of like lemons and limes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's and part of that tartness. Yeah. That acidity that you're tasting. And even more specific than like just the lemon, like the lemon zest, I feel like I get and definitely cherry too you're right on and just to read what they wrote cherry limeade <laughs> malbec wine and craft chocolate so that's probably some of the nuttiness that you're getting oh, i also thought about chocolate mm-hmm. and malbec is one of my favorite ones perfect nice yeah i think it it's a really good coffee when it's complex enough that i feel like you can actually taste what it says you can taste mm-hmm. and that's true to me here and so i'll give this a Nine out of 10, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's delicious. And it's really good. Lauren, do you typically drink your coffee black? No, I do not. Um, I like to add oat milk in it typically, mm. sometimes some simple syrup, just to sweeten it a little bit if I don't have a vanilla latte or something like that. Yeah. Just because I am a coffee snob definitely does not mean I don't like lattes. <laughs> really, however you can make coffee, pretty much, I like it. But here, I've been on a I've been on a cappuccino kick recently. That's true. But even more than that, a filthy chai. Yes. And so filthy means like an extra shot. Two right? shots. Yeah. Not yeah, dirty. Yeah. So okay. dirty chai is one shot. I don't know if maybe like disgusting chai is like a third shot, but <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's something different. I drink a lot of coffee, so I don't want to always just drink black coffee. Lauren, if you were a coffee drink, what would you be? I would have to go with a iced coffee. Okay. Because that, I don't, it's just what I'm so, that's my favorite thing is when it's hot in the summer, just mm. getting a cool, refreshing iced coffee. So it gives you that energy and that boost, but there's also just something, I don't know, yeah, that's relaxing about it. Yeah, I love that. We do this drink and I don't want to talk too much about coffee because it's very easy for me to talk too much about <laughs> it. But every summer... Chikandi Coffee will do this thing where we have one, it's usually one part, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm trying to remember from last summer, it's one lime seltzer and then coffee. Yeah. Um, so and then we'll add take, some orange peel. Okay, so you take a cold brew concentrate. There we go. And then one part that, to one to two parts 
depending on taste preference, of any water seltzer. But lime is especially good. And then with some orange peel in it, and it's top notch. Yeah, it really is refreshing. So before the break, something you had said really sparked this question. And I had thought about it before, but I know for me, one of the things that I, I don't know if I want to say struggle with, but I think all entrepreneurs struggle with it is the idea of once you are busy, how do you keep yourself, you mentioned focused. So how do you keep yourself focused and doing good work? But I think I want to ask that even more specifically, because it's so easy to work ourselves to death, especially in the culture that we find ourselves in. It's do more. How can I do this more efficiently? And so that's been something for me recently is like being very intentional about taking time off. My question is, for someone who works in a much more creative field than I do, I just feel like that would be to make sure you don't burn out. Like you have to have activities to recharge yourself for to flourish and create creativity is what I would think, but I don't know. I'm not really a creative. Is there anything you do that just gives you rest or like re-energizes that creative side of you? Sure. It's definitely a struggle. One thing that's interesting is I think, so I both enjoy doing yoga. Sometimes it's just playing with my kids, getting outside. Those kind of things are great. But then there's things within, I think, my work day that I do. With my team, I really try to look for the moments where we can, I don't know, have fun together. We're doing interior design. We're playing with fabrics, playing with finishes. It's It can be a fun process. And so their afternoon, not everything is fun. There's a whole lot of paperwork and all that stuff. But I try to look for those at least one afternoon a week or something where we can just have a, a throw down, throw down a bunch of fabrics. Or sometimes we have an upcoming project that we need to accessorize. So we get to go out and go shopping. And so just those kind of moments where you get to get away from the computer and do something more hands-on, I think is really refreshing. And I know we talked about travel earlier. That is something that really, truly is that time off, that refresh, mm-hmm. the inspiration for sure. And so I miss miss that right now. But I look, but I do look for those kind of things in a smaller way. Rep meetings where we see new products. And so honestly, just being able to research and see the new things that are out there, that gets me excited. And then on the flip side, it's actually my clients that get me excited. They're just, they're mm-hmm. always doing something neat. A lot of my clients are business owners. I'm so inspired by their lives and the things that they do. And so to be able to create spaces and see purpose in how we're helping them utilize their homes better, enjoy their homes more, making them functional for them is really what keeps me motivated every day. And I think that's an important like point to make is that like where you aesthetically, like where you live has a big impact on your like well-being and your mindset and motivation and all of those things. And so like you get to play a big role in in helping people feel like happier just like within their home. And that's like really cool. I've never gotten to organically use this word before, but is this where feng shui would be a thing? <laughs> sure. We do. We occasionally talk about it. It's not my well, expertise by any means, but. Me, yeah. I feel like I don't really know. Ooh, I don't know if I have a great um, definition, but it is. It's a focus in Asian cultures to like look at the energy of a room mm. and how to keep the energy positive by the way that you arrange furniture. And the elements that I've read about or that I do resonate with, like you, re- if you're sitting at a desk, say it's at home office. You don't want your back to the door. That's not creating a good energy. You want your you want to be able to face the door in the room. And so things hmm. like that, there are things that that we use. That's interesting. So our desk is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I'm, I'm sure there's room for it. <laughs> I was going to ask, so from a perspective of working with business owners a lot, and again, I feel like I have no insight here because my business is not really artistic or creative, but how do you keep, obviously you have a passion for what you're doing. How do you continue to not only yourself keep that up for your employees? And I know you just answered that, but it just seems, I don't know, that'd be a whole different ball game is, yeah, you have a passion, but how do you make sure that your employees are representing the business and letting your passion as the visionary shine through? That's interesting. And I might be answering this in a way you don't expect, but one of my favorite things about being a business owner actually has been teaching others, sharing my passion with my employees. And But the flip side of that is that they're such a gift to me in that I mentioned before how we don't just focus on one style. And so I'd actually say that my personal style is very different from my two employees. And I love seeing what they're drawn to, what um, fabrics and things excite them. And so it's not about them being able to mimic what I do. It's about them being themselves and being able to bring something new to the table. And so I love that collaborative effort. I love the way one who is more traditional and loves neutrals and textures and light blue and the other who loves antiques and deeper earth tones. And then there's me who loves color. How all that can come together to really serve whatever client we're working with. And so I'm definitely inspired by them and really appreciate the strengths that they have that I don't have. That's awesome to hear because I feel like most of the time when you talk to a business owner, they are like little control freaks <laughs> <laughs> and want everything done exactly how I am this way. So I'm talking to my, about myself <laughs> personally and it's that's not how I would have done it. So I'm just going to do it. And so being able to trust your team like that is really amazing. And I think it speaks to your success and as a business owner and seems like a really great employer as well. Mm -hmm. One thing that I was thinking about, maybe this should have been in my elevator pitch, but it's just describing more what we do. We definitely do furniture and finishes, help with paint colors, helping people finish rooms, but we really do enjoy when we get to be a part from the beginning if it's a new construction project, we're working with architects and builders to literally shape the space to be sure that it will function exactly the way the client wants it to. And I think there's such an advantage in getting involved with an interior designer earlier on because really what you're concerned about is how the space is going to function for you, how that furniture is going to fit in, if it, if those size spaces or where the windows are are going to allow you to do what you want to do. And so there's plenty of times where we're, we see the floor plans come back from the architect and we're making changes because we're looking at it from a different perspective than they are. And so just to be able to have that collaborative effort, I think it is huge. And so we also do a number of renovations, helping people's existing homes work better for them, whether it's through an addition or through removing walls or rearranging spaces. I think it's so rewarding for me when I'm able to figure out something that someone else couldn't basically, but I had a client's architect tell them <laughs> that they couldn't fit a bathtub in their bathroom. And I was like, no, we're going to do this. And I figured it out and it worked out and they now have a bathtub in their bathroom. And they had a shower before too, but anyway, but wanted to get that in there for them because there was room for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Something that I feel like I found that's true about myself and maybe it's true for you based on what you just said, but I'm just drawn to 
like complexity and I'm drawn to complex problems. Mm. And so being able to solve those, I get yeah. joy from that. And I think that's part of where the coffee comes from. It's this had to have been in process years ago when someone planted this seed in like the perfect soil and for it to be able to taste this way to me this year. And there's just so many steps along that whole process. And that kind of makes me, or it reminds me of what you just said and how I wouldn't have thought of that, but that makes perfect sense that you would want to get your perspective from the time that you're designing the plans and designing the space. That makes sense to me. And I don't think I'm going to be able to quit my job, but that sounds like it'd be fun to do. <laughs> and there's something else we talk about a lot, like in the design field, that if I go to pick out a paint color, it's not just the five minutes it took me to pull that. It's the 15 years that I've been doing this and looking at different colors and knowing about different lighting situations and what that's going to do in your space. And anyway, just what you were saying just reminded me of the journey that you're on mm -hmm. and how that the just wisdom that that brings to you later that you can draw upon. That's exactly right. And David says that all the time, like when his clients or whoever gives pushback about the price. Mm -hmm. so you can go on LegalZoom and get this document for 50 bucks, or here's my five years of experience of why mm -hmm. you should do it this way and maybe not the way the other um, cheaper option. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I thought you were going to say is David says that all the time. Life's a journey, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I thought you were going with that because I, I also say that. But yeah, life is definitely a journey and I feel like that's while we're here, everyone's journey is different and beautiful and exploring that. And it's all its complexities I enjoy. Yeah. How can people follow you like on social media or any of that? Yeah. If they are listening right now and they want to get an opinion of your expertise, what would they do? The best thing to do would be to go to my website and email me. It's laurenmckayinteriors.com. And that's also my Instagram name. So that's a great place to go and look and see what we're currently working on. It's just at Lauren McKay Interiors. That is Sips and Stories, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed it. We have certainly enjoyed talking to Lauren and this coffee as well. We hope you listen to our next episode too. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren, for coming on Sips and Stories and spilling the beans. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Sips and Stories with David and Bethany Morgan. This podcast was produced by Podcast Carry. Please consider leaving us a review at Apple Podcasts and follow the show on social media at Sips and Stories Podcasts.